Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, hello and welcome to the Growth Factor podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at St. Mark, and I'm joined today by our senior pastor, Pastor Philip L. Pointer, Sr. And we have been walking through a series called It's Not Just Black and White, covering topics, issues that scripture really isn't black and white on. And there are gray areas that we believe that scripture doesn't speak directly to, but offers us guidance in a way to help us to be able to live as conscious Christians in this world. Uh, we've covered some really hot topics over the past several weeks, mm-hmm. but this episode, uh, I think this is going to be one that people really are going to enjoy. We're asking the question, can a Christian cuss? My, 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 my. Can you cuss? We're talking about profanity and cussing. Now, some of y'all are like, it's black and white. You can't do it. And then there's some in the camp of cussing Christians that are like, (laughs) I really need to tune in here and see where I'm at, (laughs) see where I land. (laughs) So we want to help the people. Yeah. yeah. But I think that, uh, as always, we want to provide them with some historical context around profanity and cussing, right? Mm Mm-hmm and then provide them with some biblical foundation and talk about what scripture says about that. And I really want to start with this idea of cussing and profanity because the word itself Mm -hmm. is a Latin-derived word. The Latin is profanus. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, it's a religious term. Right. It actually stems from you using language that is considered non-reverential, or irreligious in its context, right? Mm-hmm. So when people were thinking about profanity back then, they weren't the words that we think about today. No, and 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 so John, when you look at this historically, um, one of the things that that people need to grasp about the idea of profanity, mm-hmm. um, and again, some things. Let me let me get on the soapbox early. Some things we inherited understandings of, yeah, um, and they have become for us right and wrong, but we never researched the origin of them to discover why they were considered wrong. So, you know, the idea of, 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 of seeing what is not sacred in the context of a sacred environment. So mm-hmm. this really, really actually comes from um, mass. So Catholic mass was done exclusively at this time in Latin. Mm-hmm. It was done in Latin even though the people spoke varying other languages for a couple of reasons because it was used as a way to keep people in their place. Those who knew Latin, the upper class, the upper crust, the priests, those who had classical education would go to mass and they would understand what was being said. Right. Whereas the commoners, the peasants, the serfs would go to mass and they couldn't understand yeah. what was being said. And so, Profanity also begins, the idea, profanus, begins with the idea that to speak another language in mass, other than Latin, (laughs) is 
profane. So you don't, so to speak, go to church and speak French or speak English or speak German because it's a sacred place. This is what they believed. It was sacred or what they, what they told the peasants. It was sacred. You could only speak Latin in mass around the host, which is the, the, the bread and the, and the wine that represent the, the body and, uh, or they believe became the body and blood of Christ. And so to speak another language, basically you be quiet. Mm. <laughs> Anything you say is profane. Mm. And then you did not call um, these, these things, these, the, the, the altar, the, the host, uh, the priest's garments, you did not refer to them in any other language other than Latin. Latin was considered for them a holy language wow. uh, while others were considered common and therefore profane. Um, it comes forward then into saying anything that the church at that time believed to be not sacred. Yeah. yeah. So you're telling me that the priest had the corner marked, the, the market cornered on who it was who could communicate with God and how they could communicate with God. Communicated with God and for God in, 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 wow. in, in that culture. And one of the things that, you know, you get, John, we can go take a hard left in, into church history here and talk about how it was illegal to even print the Bible in English. Mm. Um, that, that John Wycliffe and others who, who began to print the Bible in English were considered heretics and blasphemers mm. and profane. Wow. Now, see, now you're giving them a preview of our organized religion episode coming up that's going to talk oh, about oh, yeah. John Wycliffe. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, uh, so, so, you know, that's where it comes from. The idea of profanity yeah. is that there's a special class who have a special language mm. and anybody else speaking anything about sacred things that doesn't know or speak that sacred language is being profane. Yeah. yeah. And, and we also see profanity show up in Greek and Roman culture. And here's the interesting thing about Greek and Roman culture, that profane language or language that was considered outside of the view of normal people began to show up in very specific spaces, and it might ring true to what happens today. Mm-hmm. Bathhouses, mm-hmm. random public bathrooms, right? Uh, in satire or comedy pieces, mm-hmm. their comedians use profanity, right? Or in epic stories or narratives around that period. So this language was reserved for comedians, mm-hmm public restrooms <laughs> and for stories that people told not much different from what we see a lot of a <laughs> lot right? of a lot of a lot of uh, parallels yeah but that culture as you mentioned brought about this widespread usage of the Latin language now we consider that language dead today or moribund mm. today because not people nobody speaks it but right. many of our English words derive from the Latin language. As a matter of fact, words that there were that were profane back then are medical terms today. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the word penis mm-hmm. was profane. Mm-hmm. The word vagina was profane. Yep. These are words that we use in the medical community today and people use it without it being a cuss word. Now yep. those have evolved Yes, indeed. To other words today that people don't use that may be considered cuss words, but you can see how the evolution of profanity has has occurred in our culture and context, whereas words that were profane back then or curse words back then are considered usable today as medical terms. And and, and John, one, this is one of the reasons we, we can't 
declare something black or white because language evolves and the usage and the meaning evolves. And because of that, again, things that are common for us were curses or cussing back then. Um, and, and Webster's or Miriam Webster's, they add new words to the dictionary. Um, I would consider, I'm going to cuss right now, um, they added the word irregardless to the dictionary. And to me, that's a curse word. Yeah. Irregardless is a curse word. The, the word is regardless. And if you say irregardless, I feel like you've cussed me. So, I, I mean, but language evolves. But yeah. now that's a word. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's an acceptable word. Whereas mm-hmm. my English teachers would have poured red on top of my paper for writing irregardless. Now you can actually, you actually can't take off points for a kid who does those kinds of things. It, it, it evolves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we want to, that's what we want to put, anchor this historical understanding because we're not going to turn to the Bible mm. and find a list of words that are bad. Right. Or that God says, you don't see these list of words. Yeah. That's, 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 that's what we're trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's important then um, as we, as we think through it historically and how we've inherited these ideas and concepts uh, for us to put them through the filter mm. of, of of scripture and common sense. Yeah, I think um, so. In these areas, yeah. I think so. So we've seen it evolve through the Middle Ages and there were new curse words that popped up or profane words that that popped up in the Middle Ages. And I'm going to say one now. John, John's about to cuss y'all. Here we go. You ready? All right. By God. Yep, that's a curse word. By God. B-Y-G-O-D. By God. I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Or you can bleep this out later. <laughs> Tiffany Zornet, y'all bleep that out later. By God. It's, it was a curse word in the yeah, Middle Ages. Yeah, 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 yeah. By God, by God's bones, they would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, these words were oaths that were considered swear words. Mm-hmm. And they would not use them. As a matter of fact, once you get to this group of people called the Lollards, mm-hmm. now these are the super holy people. Holy. Holy, holy. <laughs> they were like, we're not going to take oaths at all. They would not ever, even though English courts um, made you do this, and we see this in practice today, mm-hmm. they make you swear on the Bible when you're going to testify. Right. Well, the Lollards said, we're not going to do it. Not and because it. it was so important in English culture, they were persecuted for it, jailed, locked up, killed, because they refused to swear by the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and, John, it comes forward with the Quakers in the 16th century, same kind of thing. Uh, a man named George Fox, they forbade all swearing, mm. all swearing, um, which is interesting. You know, we, it's a whole other study to figure out, how did you work out marriage <laughs> if you don't make any promises? But, no, they, they would not swear. They wouldn't give testimony in court. Um, and so people would accuse them of things, and they couldn't even— defend themselves in court because they would not testify, they would not swear on the Bible, and they would go to jail for this. Now, now let me say this about the Quakers. We like Quakers yeah. um, because Quakers were the original abolitionists. Right. They've also Holy Ghost field folk. They, they were called Quakers or Shakers because they got filled with the Spirit, and they would, they would literally Quaker shake. So we like Quakers, but, mm-hmm. but this is a unique little quirk about their, mm-hmm. their system of faith, their idea of what it looks like to, to, to live out a life of faith. And so they would not say, I swear, and to say, by God or by God's bones. Mm. Yeah. Well, you were being profane. How dare you? Yeah. Wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> yeah, we love the Quakers. I mean, they were the first social justice 
folks who mm-hmm. are allies mm-hmm. for African Americans. So we certainly love them. Now, speaking of the Quakers, now we've come across the water. We mm-hmm. talked about English culture. We talked about Roman and Greek culture. Well, let's talk about Western culture a little bit because we've seen this idea of profanity in the early 20th century. And it goes back to the 1920s when we're talking about prohibition. Mm-hmm. We're talking about other items where people are trying to um, make things illegal that may not be cultural taboos at the time. Mm-hmm. And cursing was one of those yeah. things or yeah. profanity. So they actually in California came up with an entire association. You probably have heard it, the Motion Picture Association. Mm-hmm. They were making movies that were considered profane by the government, so the government would ultimately uh, shut the movie down. So they said to themselves, well, what if we uh, do it ourselves? Mm-hmm. What if we decide that we're going to uh, make ourselves be the people who say, hey, here's what's profane and here's what's not. Let's self-govern. Yes. Let's, let's create a, some parameters yep. so we don't have outside government coming in to mm-hmm. movie studios and shutting productions down. Let's let's govern ourselves mm-hmm. uh, to say we got it. So so let's it. let's talk about some of the words that they forbid. Yes. About the custom word. I'm cuss, sorry. Cuss. Y'all get the beeper ready, okay? Ready, right. All right. So forbidden words by the Motion Picture Association. Brace yourself. Ready? Uh, go. God. Forbidden. Cuss word. Lord. Forbidden. Cuss word. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Forbidden. 1920s. Cuss now, word. You could not say it in a movie. Now, they, they said unless you use it reverentially. That <laughs> right. was an exception to that right. rule, right? Right. But they also forbade the word uh, hell, mm-hmm. S-O-B. Right, right. Y'all know what S-O-B is. <laughs> and the D word. And the D word. What's the D word, John? I don't, I don't know that people know the D word. What's the, the D word? The D word. <laughs> But hey, but here's the thing though, okay? They didn't forbid the N word. Did not. No, wait a minute. Until you, you couldn't say God, Lord, Jesus Christ, hell, S O B, or the D word, but you could show say the N word. And you wanna know why? Gone with the wind. Gone with the wind. One of the most popular movies in the nineteen twenties. Well, the novel itself had the N word all through it. Yeah. I mean, they were calling us ends all throughout the novel. Yeah. So as they're making the movie with Clark Gable and others, they're like, hey, we're going to use the word and we can't forbid it or it's going to be shut down. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Courier, black newspaper, they put together a, uh, a, a review of the movie mm-hmm. saying, hey, if y'all are going to do this, we're going to boycott. Right. They decided to take the N word out. So you won't hear it in the movie, but if you read the novel, it is still there. But it's interesting that they would forbid all these words. But this one word was like good because we're about to make some economic money yep. off of it. Y'all going to keep the party going. Just say it just as much as you want to. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting then because and here's what I want us to grab about mm-hmm. this, John, as we, as we say it and we're, we're bringing levity to the moment. But the idea is it's arbitrary. Yeah which words are bad words and which words are okay words. Mm-hmm. And and you think about, you say how ridiculous it is that by God or by God's bones would be considered a curse word. You think that's ridiculous. Or you think um, that saying God in a movie or Jesus Christ in a movie, oh, that and that's forbidden. You would think that's ridiculous. Well, 50, 60, 70 years from now, 
Some of the words you think are filthy, your grandchildren are going to look back and call you ridiculous. They're going to say, what? You, could, you couldn't say that. <laughs> Why is that? What were they thinking? What yeah. was, because language evolves. Mm-hmm. It's not intrinsic to the word itself. That's yeah. what, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead. But it's not, intri- it's not the word itself. It's not the formulation of the letters and the sounds that makes something profane mm. or makes something a, a cuss or curse. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. they ultimately set up this rating system that we see today in our movies rating um, sometimes we'll see a film that says this film is not yet rated. Mm-hmm. Well, that means that the Motion Picture Association hadn't sat down and de- determined what that is. And it's literally a group of people that are private citizens in a room counting cuss words and mm-hmm. counting scenes to see what's happening. And they come up with this arbitrary rating. Yeah. So we have G, PG, PG-13, and then we have R. Uh, and then there used to be X, but now they call it NC-17. Yeah, now here's the important part about that. NC-17 movies cannot be sh- distributed widely. Mm-hmm. So you want your movie to be an R-rated movie so it can be distributed in all the movie houses. Mm-hmm. And independent filmmakers generally see an NC-17 rating unless they're associated with a major motion picture um, studio. Again, it's an economic issue. It's about money. <laughs> Your Bible says in Ecclesiastes, money answers all things. They move these goalposts consistently based on, um, again, on these arbitrary measurements of how many words you can say in a movie to make it a certain type of movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, all of us have gone to see, well, I guess some people are really, really holy, so they don't watch R-rated movies, but all of us have gone to see um, movies that are PG-13 and said, man, that, that yeah. seems like that should be an R. <laughs> or, or you know what I mean, or R and say, man, they should have put this in a, in a secret alley somewhere and shown it in, in, in the back of some dark place because this is horrible. Um, but, but again, the, it's about mm. money. It is arbitrary. It, there is no standard. There's no independent, com- completely objective line for these kinds of things. Um, mm. And so and so that's, again, you may think it's black and white, but it's not really. Yeah, yeah. and it's not just for movies either. Even in the TV space, we saw um, sort of a hypocrisy with mm-hmm. uh, people being canceled today for what was normative in the 70s. Very much. You think about All in the Family with Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the most racist man on television. This show won Emmys. Yep. It won Golden Globe Awards mm-hmm. for him using stuff like calling people spades. Yeah. Spicks. There was an episode called The Coons Are Coming. Yeah. When a black family moved into the neighborhood and he started talking about them being coons and destroying the neighborhood. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun, right? Right, 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 <laughs> so, exactly. But we see even in television that there's language that is used, was even used then, yeah. that if you use that now in a show. No way in the world. That show be canceled. No right? way in the world. And and the you think about Archie Monk, I heard <laughs> the other day um, that that his encounter with the Jeffersons, if, if, if you know that famous, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Jeffersons that became... Uh, the Jeffersons, the show with Sherman Hemsley and um, George and Wheezy, that that they started on Archie Bunker as guests, and Archie Bunker had this kind of epiphany and and 
kind of racial uh, uh, revolution Waking. of think, <laughs> thinking and, and, and all of those things. Um, but, the, but the show was wildly mm. popular with all of these negative and, and hurtful and um, extremely prejudiced ideas being at the forefront of that character. That's who he was. Um, and people sat down every week and watched it and laughed at it. Yeah. And laughed at it. Yeah. yeah. And this is important for us because research has shown that between 5 and 15% of Americans claim that they never cuss. Mm-hmm. So there's a percentage of the population that sees this as a moral, ethical issue mm -hmm. that says that, hey, I'm not going to cuss because I believe that what Scripture lays out is for me not to do that, for yeah. at least a lot of people. And some of our uh, members and listeners may feel that same way. Well, what does the Bible really say yeah, about and, the profane? And, and, and John, I want to I get into the Scripture, but let me, let me give that flip side of that. So you sure. look at people who say they never do, and I like the word claim there because, okay, mm -hmm. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> um, but then you strangely see the another body of research that says people who use these words are intelligent, that they lower stress levels and things like that, yep. and, and there are these kind of positive psychological and, and physical benefits to yeah. it. It's like, really? Yeah. What, what, what do we land on that? Where do we land in Scripture? Because if people say, I'm never doing it because the Bible forbids it, um, or you can still taste the soap in your mouth with, that your mom <laughs> washed your mouth out with soap or something like that. Right. Uh, whenever you form the word in your mouth, you taste soapy. Um, but then, you know, I have people say, yeah, well, you know, it, it's a sign of intelligence. Mm. <laughs> it keeps my blood pressure down, those kinds of things. So how do we land on that Scripture? Like, what, do we, what do we do about that yeah. in the Bible? Yeah. yeah. And I think a good place to start, and I think we're going to approach this in two different ways. We're mm -hmm. going to talk about swearing right. and oaths yeah. biblically. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And then the other piece is we're going to talk about corrupt communication and blasphemous words, mm -hmm. which Scripture talks about. So right. let's talk about swearing or oaths. And I want to start with God swearing. Right. <laughs> I know that Oops. sounds interesting, Oops. but but God Oops. in Scripture Swears. God is a swearer. Jeesh. <laughs> John. I know. John. Genesis 15. My mama and them told me, you don't, you can't swear. Uh-oh. And you're about to open the Bible in the beginning of it, Genesis 15, tell me God swears. I'm about to open the Bible and tell you that God oh, swears in Scripture. Lord have mercy. Y'all get ready. Genesis 15. Uh, we're going to look at verses number... Seven. Ooh, I'm gonna read through 21. I'm gonna try to get through this, but it's important because this is a covenant that is very important to not just Abram's life, but to the Christian faith. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um. So here, uh, Abram is wavering on the promise that God has given to him. Mm -hmm. He is concerned that he doesn't have a male heir, and God's like, "All right, I'm gonna do something to make you understand that I really mean this." Yep. Yep. And, and he does something that culturally these folks would know in the ancient Near East uh, here. And we have to unpack that once we read it. Mm -hmm. But I want to read it first before. Oh, I, I'm anxious to unpack it. Yes, I am too. Yep. <laughs> because Bible we're both nerds. Bible nerds. Bible nerds. <laughs> <laughs> it says, and he said to him, I am the Lord who bought you out from Ur the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh, Lord, 
God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he bought them, bought him all these, cut them in half and laid each half over against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcass, Abraham drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon the earth. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Verse 17, important verse. When the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and the flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaim, Amorites, Canaanites, Gerashites, and the Jebusites. Now, man, this could be a whole episode. It is. <sighs> My goodness. So he comes to Abraham here in this vision, right? And this is really a divine foreshadowing of what he's going to do for the people of Israel here in this text. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much here that, that points to that. Even the covenant that he makes, or the words that he says, I'm the Lord, your God, who bought you out of the early Chaldeans, mm-hmm. says the same thing to the Israelites. Yep. I'm bought the Lord, your God, bought you out of Egypt. Yep. He places these animals on the side. He passes through, same thing, the Red Sea crossing. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a parallelism going here to show that this covenant is connected to the covenant at Sinai. Yep. With the people of God. Absolutely. So here we see God making what this is, this Hittite. Uh, covenant with him. There's a ancient Near East custom here where two parties who are warring would come together, cut a covenant mm-hmm. by cutting animals and then laying them aside. And here's the here's the key piece. They both would walk through. They walk through. The idea of it, John, is that they walk through. We're making a, an agreement and a binding, unbreakable agreement. We cut the animals in half. We both walk through with the idea being if I break this then what happened to the animals happens to me. Yeah. You get to split me in half. You get to take, take me all the way out. Yeah. The animals are representatives, as mm-hmm. it were, mm-hmm. of what will happen to me. Yeah. Walking through the blood, again, blood is always associated with covenant. It is a, it is a sign that I, I cannot in any way. Mm. And generally this would be generational also. Yeah. I cannot and my offspring cannot. Yeah break this covenant mm-hmm. this is this is now binding forever and ever and ever yeah, yeah. And, and generally you see both parties walking through yeah. saying that this promise is for both of Two us people if either one of us break this then that consequence is for both of us yes and here's what god does he says abram go to sleep i'm walking through here by myself alone i am not making a covenant and you're making a covenant I'm making a covenant with me. This is a preview. I'm going to spoil it, John. It's a preview of the cross. Go ahead. It's a preview of the cross. In the same way, Christ is split open, laid out open, and God is making a covenant with God. God is satisfying God's wrath. 
through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, you can't walk through here. No, 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 no. Because you can't honor it perfectly. You can't, you can't do it. Your flesh, your proclivities, your weaknesses, you are totally incapable of keeping the covenant. So in order for me to have covenant about you, I got to make it with myself. And God is so confident in himself <laughs> that he says, this is going to happen. And I'm making this covenant in a way that I'm saying, if it doesn't happen, I ain't even God no more. If, if God doesn't keep God's word, he ain't God. That's, that's God swearing. This is how Abraham is able to experience the gospel before it shows up in the New Testament. Yep. He's able to see the work of God, the grace of God upon his life uh, here in this particular text by saying, I'm going to put you to sleep and I'm going to take care of this myself. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is why the New Testament, whenever it wants to argue, John, that we do not connect to God by anything we do. We just connect to God through faith. It always goes back to Abram and Abraham believing God. All he had was belief. He didn't have anything else to associate with God based on. He didn't have a law of Moses. He didn't have a, a list of commandments. He only had what God said. Yeah. And so this is why the New Testament in Romans 4 and in the book of Galatians and, and Ephesians 2 says it's always it always has been, Hebrews 11, always has been and always will be God dealing with humankind based on faith alone because humankind's activity cannot create covenant with God. Mm -hmm. We're good. incapable. So, so this is an instance of a divine oath or divine swearing. Swore. He swore. He but swore by himself. We also see in Scripture in Exodus 20, we're going to look at that, we see an instance where he talks about us. He talks about his people, his covenant people, uh, making oaths or false oaths, right? Mm -hmm. And we see this in Exodus chapter number 20, and most people know this as the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. You know, this is on uh, Mount Sinai, and this is their first congregational gathering. And, and, and Moses here is laying out God's commandments that he'd heard from the Lord in these Ten Commandments. But before he gets to here's what you do, God always starts with, here's what I've done. Yep. Because he tells them in the first, second verse in chapter 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Mm -hmm. In chapter 19, we also see him talking about what he's done for them. Right. This is a picture of grace before he gets to the law. Mm -hmm. So when people talk about there being a distinction between the Old Testament and New Testament and grace not showing up in the Old Testament. That can't be any further from the truth but because before the law shows up, God shows up and says, here's what I've done. Here's what I've graciously done. And because I've done this, here's what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, we see this in verse number th seven with the third commandment, and that is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, this is very serious here in this particular text because vain oaths or false oaths to God uh, puts God on the spot. Yeah. And, and, and so, John, many of us grew up 
with a misunderstanding of this commandment mm-hmm. that you couldn't say God. Right. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Or golly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you couldn't say it because that was taking the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is about. Yeah. It's about making God, as it were, a witness to your life. Hmm. That's it. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's saying God knows and you're lying. Or, I swear to God, and you're lying. That's the idea. In the same way that you would put your hand on the Bible on a witness stand mm-hmm. and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help you God, yeah. and then you get on the witness stand and lie, this is actually to govern legal and civil or criminal and civil matters among the nation. Yeah. It is what is then encompassed in the New Covenant um, in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, in what Jesus calls the second great commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself, telling the truth to and about one another. Mm. Don't lie to someone or about someone and then put it on God. That's good. And and this does not prohibit legitimate oaths Mm -mm. that people take. We see throughout scripture. I'm thinking about Paul Mm -hmm. in Philippians 1.8. He says, for God is my witness. Mm Mm-hmm. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Yes. He says, God is the witness of this truth that I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I care about y'all so much yep. that it's like Christ caring about yep. you. Exactly. So, so he has this oath here, and you see oaths throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. It does not prohibit actual truthful oaths. And, and, and in the same way, in a court of law, mm-hmm. or those who are elected to high office, um, to governmental positions who then are sworn in if you're going to do what you're sworn in to do. I don't want to get into the social area of this, but God will not look at it. God will not hold him guiltless. Those yeah. who have been elected to office, who put their hand on the Bible and said they would protect and defend the Constitution, so help them God, and then persist and protect um, systems of inequity and unfairness, there is a divine penalty mm-hmm. for that lie that was told. Yeah, and yeah. it and it don't matter which Bible it is. Mm-mm. Thomas Jefferson who yeah. took some stuff out. Right, right. Family Bible, mm-hmm. old school, whatever it is. Yeah, whichever Bible you use, uh-huh. <laughs> it's still an oath that that has serious and dire um, thoughts and consequences. Right. So. Let, Go ahead. No, I was going to say that in the same way, and I, I spoke about it earlier with uh, with Quakers. In the same way, so is marriage. Marriage is a mm. covenantal vow. It's an oath we make to one another. The, the old marriage ceremony says we pledge our troth. Right. Right. T-R-O-T-H, troth. We pledge our lives. We make a promise to one another in those ways. And that those legitimate oaths mm. are not pr- forbidden by Scripture. Yeah. But, but, John, I do want to say very quickly— um, that we are, we need to be careful with these oaths. Yeah. And I need, I need to get that Ecclesiastes yeah, um, passage in at this point. This is so, so the God expressly forbids false oaths that, that, especially that use God's name, call God to the witness stand for them, and then, and then there are legitimate oaths that we are to make and 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 take and hold to. But Ecclesiastes guides our thoughts around. Those oaths. So Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7, John, is what, what, I'm, what I want us to get okay. again. Yeah, let's take a look at that. So it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. 
To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. But no, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and your words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Don't talk so much. Don't be so quick to say what you will do, won't do, and let's help one another with this. Mm -hmm. Stop asking, you promise? You promise? No, I don't promise because I don't know. <laughs> I intend to. Mm -hmm. I would like to. Mm -hmm. But to put one another in that position right. is to set one another up for what this is known as a, is a fool's vow, mm -hmm. to, to make these empty promises or these promises based on intention. When he talks about these dreams and those kind of things, he's talking about things that, that are, that are um, um, vaporish. You know, mm -hmm. that's one of the things of Ecclesiastes, things that, that you don't really grab hold to. It's hand, sand running through your fingers or, or mist, like trying to grab mist or trying to hold water in your hands. It, you feel that way now. Mm -hmm. You think that way now, but don't make a permanent promise based on a temporary feeling yeah that's what he says it's better for you not to vow don't even, than you to vow and not pay it don't even don't I, even make the vow i always say that a strong no is way better than a soft yes yeah man yeah and i think that when we are making promises and vows we got to really think about that hey my no my strong no is going to be more helpful for me mm -hmm. for me not to commit to doing this because if you want me to promise you to doing this i can't i can't do it and, and john here's another here's another three-word sentence I think that is holy and, and, and spiritual. I don't know. <laughs> Will you be able to come? I don't know. Can I, can I count on you? To, I don't. That don't know. make you flaky. No, I'm not being flaky. I'm being honest. I'm human. I'm frail. What I feel today, I may not feel tomorrow. What I'm capable of doing today, I may not be capable of doing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about swearing oaths, mm -hmm. they are permanent. They are intended to be covenantal. And this is why it says, you know, fools promise everybody everything. Yeah. That's foolish. Yeah. You, you, you need to recognize yourself as a limited commodity with limited capacity. That's good. And, and in the same way, you shouldn't have many oaths out there. Yeah. And to that point, let's talk about Jesus and swearing. Yeah. Yeah. I know those, those two don't generally go together when we're talking about, but he does talk about swearing mm -hmm. in Matthew chapter five in his Sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. which the Sermon on the Mount should drive, really drive everybody to their knees. Oh gosh. Because the ethic found in that, that Jesus is going beyond what these Pharisees and others who study the law require mm -hmm. and ask you to do over and above that uh, it really should be a place that drives you to your knees, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. It's humbling. Mm. Yeah. So let's look at what he talks about with oaths in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, 
Again, you've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. This is a legal concept that they knew. Mm -hmm. This is the law, right? Mm -hmm. But always his juxtaposition in the Sermon on the Mount. They say this, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, here's what he's talking about. The Pharisees would swear by everything but God. Yep. They were trying to be holy, right? right. I'm not going to swear by God, but I swear by the temple. Mm-hmm. I swear by the gold in the temple. Mm-hmm. I swear by different things because God won't hold me accountable right. for that. It was a get-out-of-jail-free card. It was a way of presenting a promise while trying to have an out clause. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fulfill the vow, actually. And God won't get mad at me because yeah. I didn't swear by God or swear to God. And Jesus is saying here, because those things, if you swear and you go back on them, can be destroyed. Mm-hmm. How are you trying to destroy things that you didn't create? Right, right. And and then you don't have the authority to determine whether these things are going to be lasting or not. So he says, instead of this, how about people believe you without you taking an oath? How about character? How about integrity standing for you? And you don't have to require yourself making an oath. Let your yes be yes. Mm-hmm. And your character, people knowing who you are, knowing that you can stand on that yes, as opposed to swearing by heaven or oath or by the gold in the temple. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exhortation more than it is against swearing. It's an exhortation for integrity. Mm. That's good. That that my integrity means that all of my words are oath-like words. That's good. Bankable. Mm. You can count on me yeah. to, to fulfill what I say because my character is such that I do not weasel my way in and out of promises. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we got to talk about Peter cussing. Oh, Lord have mercy, Peter. Cussing preachers. Cussing Peter. Mm, mm, and you know, mm. a lot of people use this text and say, Man, Peter had a bad mouth. <laughs> what, was, what was Peter doing here? Mm-hmm. Let's look at it. So here Peter is gathered by fire outside of where Jesus is being tried. There's a, a young girl who is the watcher at the gate mm-hmm. who uh, notices him, one, by his accent. He sounds country. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's a country bumpkin. He, he walked with Jesus. And then knowing that he walked with Jesus as well. Yeah, I, I, I want to throw that in there again. Jesus was country. Yeah. He, Nazareth, Galilee, with, with, with Peter and the other guys were from, it, that's the country. They, I, I wish I had time in this episode, John, to talk about the difference between being country and being southern. Come on. Because some of y'all think that your countryness is southernness, and it's not so. Mm-hmm. That ain't the way God designed these things. You 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 may be country, but that don't make you southern. Well, see, when you in the south, no, you just country. Mm-hmm. You just country. Now I can talk about this because I'm born and put out to Texas. Country is country. Southern is southern. 
we got to make that distinction. Let's let's you do a whole to. nother uh, a podcast on country versus southern. Because I, I got to because you know my town is super small, so I, don't, I ain't got time for y'all talking about y'all country and you yeah. actually just southern. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so let's talk about Peter and his country. Peter, tale. Peter's country self. Uh, by God. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter, here is Peter. Peter, who just showed up with a sword. Yep. Who's going to be disarmed by this servant girl? Mm-hmm. Um, and he shows up and it says, as Peter went, was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you were also with the Nazarite, Jesus. But he denied it saying, I neither knew nor understood what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, gateway in the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself. Wait a minute. And to swear. Wait a minute. I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now, Pastor John, you you and in, you inserted those words in the Bible because that's not what they say. <laughs> they say he was cussing, that he used curse words. I am reading from the ESV. And it says he invoked a curse. Here's the thing. Cuss, the word cuss is a um, is. Is a etymological child. It, it is a word child in terms of word origin from the word curse. Yeah. Cursing. Well, what is cursing in the Bible? It's not saying certain words. That's not cursing mm-hmm. in the Bible. That's not cursing. In the Bible, cursing is declaring woe, W-O-E, on something or someone. To curse is to is to declare a punishment on someone, either outright or promissory punishment based on someone's behavior or their lack of integrity. So what Peter is doing yeah. is he's not cursing out this little girl. He's not cussing the little girl out. <laughs> he's trying to deny his connection to Jesus by invoking a curse on himself. Yeah. May God wow. take my life. May God kill me. May God strike me with leprosy. Mm. And then he begins to swear the same thing Jesus says, don't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Same thing Ecclesiastes says, don't do. Mm-hmm. Don't speak the vows rashly. Peter's not saying certain words that are considered profanity. Right. And, and that's why it's so important for us to understand how he did that, because he invoked the curse upon himself, which essentially made him dead. Mm-hmm spiritually mm-hmm. and this is why the text says that he went out and wept yes it wasn't because he cussed somebody out that he wept he didn't oh i'm sorry for cussing my bad. this girl out my bad my bad that's not what he did no no but then you know we got to go to another text but i want to say when you look in john 21 write it down mm-hmm. uh, we see peter by another fire mm-hmm. and jesus shows up and affirms him three times yes this was a moment in peter's life where he goes from weeping in this text mm-hmm to rejoicing and seeing that Jesus shows up at another fire mm-hmm. and gives him the opportunity to tell the truth about who Christ is. Yes. And 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 
and John, here's the thing about this, and I know we got to move on, um, but but Peter has essentially hmm. put himself under a death sentence. Yeah, that's good. This is Thursday night. It's Thursday night. He's he's invoked this curse upon himself. He's sworn, according to Peter's faith, his understanding. This means at some point he's going to die horrifically because he has sworn an oath and cursed himself, and he's denied Jesus when he actually knows him and has been walking with him and followed him mm. for these three-plus years. What he doesn't know at this time is that the death, this curse he invoked upon himself, yeah. Christ is taking to the cross the next day. That's good. That curse that Peter invokes upon himself, Christ carries to Calvary. And just a few hours later, that curse is paid for. Mm. The curse invoked upon Peter by himself, Jesus takes it to the cross just a few hours later. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just grace really showing up. And I, we got to go and talk about... Uh, what blasphemy looks like yeah. really fast here yeah. uh, and look at Leviticus chapter 24 mm-hmm. and this is sort of the implications of the Ten Commandments so Levit- mm-hmm. Leviticus walks through kind of a more detailed account of what taking the Lord's name in vain meant in this particular context mm-hmm. and this is why we we're talking about Peter because he understands the the power of the words of the curse that he invoked Yeah, and we see this in uh Chapter 24, verse number 15, and speak to the people of Israel, saying, whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native. When he blasphemes, the name shall be put to death. So this was a communal activity. Mm -hmm. It was a community stoning. And why? Because no one person was going to be responsible for the death. We don't know who did it, but... This blasphemy was so offensive to the name and character of the God of truth that it has consequences. Carry death with it. Yeah, it has a death penalty consequence. So we see here in this text that they are called to stone this person for those blasphemous words because those words, by invoking God as a witness of truth, it really defames the character and the nature of God. Yeah. And there has to be consequences here in the Old Testament. Yeah, and and you know, people people don't like the Old Testament with its penalties and it's it, it seems so it's, it's so extreme, but but the Bible is careful to reveal that as loving as God is, God is also righteous and just. Hmm. And to deny divinity and disrespect divine integrity and holiness is to be worthy of death <laughs> it's just yeah. that's just that's just what it what it is um and we don't have to like it culturally and our mm-hmm. sensitivity is 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 so um heightened today that oh my god it must not be true or it must not be god or the god of the bible is both just and good yeah and we don't get to define goodness god gets to define goodness yeah, yeah. that's right yeah and i want folks to write this one down we're not going to be able to get to it tonight but psalm 141 uh, verse number three Mm-hmm. is David, as the psalmist, asking, making the request of the Lord. He's saying, set a guard over my mouth. Yes, Lord. And he goes on to talk about the culture around him that doesn't have that guard. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, 
Lord, I know that I can get caught up in the culture around me, but I, I'm, I'm asking you to set this guard around mm-hmm. my mouth. This is the only place where it talks about setting a guard, this, yeah. this guard that covers you in your mouth, right? Yeah. So, uh, so here, that's what we see, David. But I want to look at um, Jesus's words in Luke, where he talks about the heart and the mouth. Yeah. We're going to look at Luke chapter 6 and verses 43. I want to start in 43. And uh, he talks about tree and fr- trees and fruits in this particular context. And the people would know this. They know they're agrarian in culture. They understand fruit and the metaphor of fruit. He mm-hmm. says, for no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does bear does a bad tree bear good fruit for each tree is known by its own fruit for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so this particular text is really saying what's in you it's going to come out of you. John, I want to I want to get to it because we're getting ready to get into it in the, in the epistles. Mm-hmm. But here's what Jesus in the gospel is laying a foundation for. It's not the words themselves. It's the intent of the words. Yeah. It's not the words themselves. It's the intent of the words. Yeah. There are no words listed in the Bible as, quote unquote, bad words or curse words. You can curse someone mm-hmm. and never say those words that you and I in our English 21st century understanding think are curse words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you wish ill upon them or if you even spread gossip and innuendo about someone, mm-hmm. that is just as bad as saying these words that you think are profane. Because the question is intent. And Jesus says, check your heart. Get your heart together. Because if you have your heart together, your words will, will be life-giving, mm. edifying, helping, mm. not negative. Yeah. yeah. And then speaking of edifying words, I think when we look in the epistles, this is really what Paul is getting at here in Ephesians and a couple of other of his epistles. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter number 4. And these are... Paul's instructions to the church at Ephesus as he's talking about this new life that he wants them to live based on his instructions previously. And he says these words, he says, having put away falsehood, this is verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, corruption or corrupt communication here. Uh, what is he getting at here in this particular text? And so, John, you look at the con- context and you begin to see what he's talking about is corrupting, corrupt or corrupting. Verse 25, falsehood. 
that is not speaking the truth. When you look back, when you look behind verse 30, mm-hmm. bitterness, wrath, anger, here it is, clamor and slander. Mm-hmm. They need to be put away. Be kind, verse 32 says, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Corrupt or corrupting talk is anything that hurts or hinders someone's walk with God. That's good. So if I am speaking things that are going to be detrimental to your development as a believer or your view of the gospel as an unbeliever, Mm. then that's corrupt or corrupting talk. Mm. Man, I really want to get on my social media soapbox and say that the words you say and the things you repost fall into this category. Mm. Yeah. Because we are so quick to repost or to participate in in slanderous, gossiping, clamoring things. And here's the the thing about it is you don't know whose faith you are affecting. That's good. Whose walk with God you are putting a stumbling block in front of. That's the bigger issue, not the words you say, but the way those words affect other people's life of faith. Mm. Yeah. So ultimately, we need to say, are the words I'm using going to build people up Mm -hmm. or tear them down? Yeah. And that's what we see in the life of Jesus. If you look in Luke 4, 22, it says that Jesus was someone who used gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Yeah. Uh, John Moore 14 says that he was full of two things, truth and grace. Yep. That Jesus was full of truth and grace. And if our Lord and Savior was full of truth and grace, man, we can't be skewed too heavily on the truth side mm-hmm. or too heavily on the grace side. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what we see here in this particular passage. We're, we're asked to be careful with and to understand our words impact on other people, mm-hmm. which we've talked about this whole time. Yeah. How does what this does um, how how does that impact the people around me? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's look at Ephesians five. Yeah, come over one more chapter. One more few, chapter. Few words later, actually. Yep. Uh, and we're going to look at verses four through six, I believe. Uh, and he starts this by saying, "Be imitators of God." Mm-hmm. That's how he starts the chapter. Right. And then he goes into uh, ways in which people are not imitators of God. Yeah. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude jokes, this is verse 4, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, which he's talked about, or Mm -hmm. impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So he says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude jokes Mm -hmm. coming out of your mouth. Yeah, And that's how you walk in love. That's what this chapters about being able to walk in love towards others and 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 again he's referring to again at others expense those those words those phrases those things that you consider funny that you're doing at other people's expense objectifying Mm -hmm. dehumanizing those things that are sexist or prejudiced or misogynistic those kinds of words, those kinds of jokes, and I'm using air quotes for those who can't see, those kinds of jokes are contrary to how God speaks to and about and for us. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't 
something that is easy. No. I mean, I want folks to, to write this down. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, discusses this, and he starts out by saying, "Not many of you should become teachers." Ooh, <laughs> all these people want to teach the Bible. Everybody's a, everybody's <laughs> their own theological expert, and you know, you know, someone said it well a long time ago. Uh, I wish it was original to me. I, w- I want to take credit for it, but but no, your Google search is not the same as my theology degree. Mm-hmm. So don't you know what I mean? Um, Facts. You know, don't you, you're and yes, I know you got the spirit too, and you talk to God too, but some of us do this for a living. Yes. And and, and we spend our lives mm. in and around the, the culture and the words of these books and that kind of thing mm. um, that we have in our Bible. And mm. the issue is to teach the Bible, John, inaccurately, incorrectly, yeah. irresponsibly is being profane. Yeah. That's what James is getting at. It, it's cussing. Wow. To use the Bible, manipulate the Bible, to make it say what it doesn't say, to make it mean what it doesn't mean, is cussing. Yeah. And he uses all these metaphors about mm-hmm. the tongue, mm-hmm. you know, being something that we cannot tame. Uh, so, again, like I said, it isn't something that is easy, but I think one of the things that we really want to get at here in this episode is the edifying nature of our words. Right. Um, and that's right. what Colossians chapter four talks about um, us being able to talk to those who are outsiders. Right. Cause people are watching you. Mm-hmm. So in Colossians four, six, he says, let your speech be seasoned with grace. Mm-hmm. Like there needs to be a seasoning with which the speech that you use with other people. And when we're talking about profanity and, and cuss words, we, we talked about how it's not clear. Mm-mm. What is and what isn't. Yeah. But I think what is clear about Scripture is the fact that we're called to edify. Yeah. I, I want to be very clear. There are no set of words. It's about the 17th time I've said it. No set of words in the Bible that the Bible says are bad words. There are bad intentions. That's good. There are bad outcomes because I am not considering the impact of my words on others. Now, whether you say those words that we traditionally understand to be bad words or not, you don't have to use those words to have bad intentions and bad outcomes with your words. Mm. That's what we should be concerned about. You know, the the, the words that start with the letters and have those sharp sounds and that make you bristle and those kind of things, God hears your gossip the same way. Mm. He hears your selfishness the same way. He hears your slander the same way. If, it, if, it, if you hear it and you bristle and say, oh, that's so terrible, that's what you sound like to God when you are hurtful and sharp and mean with your words. And you don't have to cuss someone out. To cuss them out. To cuss them out. <laughs> that's good. And, 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 now, and, and Pastor John, I know we got to go, but I just want to be clear about that. Here's, here's, here's the other thing. Here's what I want to say and and. and Be in front of people a positive example of a believer mm. so that let your words reflect your understanding of the impact they might have, might have. Mm. Just because I'm free to do it, just because the Bible doesn't expressly forbid it, doesn't mean that I'm free to do it in front of everyone in every occasion. Watch your mouth. 
watch your Twitter fingers and your Facebook fingers and make sure what you're saying is helping other people see God and the gospel correctly. Well, thank you for joining us on the Growth Factor podcast. Hopefully you didn't get to the end of this episode and cuss us out. But we do hope that it was edifying and helpful for you. If it was, please do us a favor and go over to subscribe to our Facebook group called The Growth Factor. We're a growing community that really provides you with content on an ongoing basis. Also, go over and follow, like, share the podcast on all platforms. We'd appreciate you all for doing that. Next go around, we'll go into another issue that's not necessarily black and white. We're going to talk about sex. And I know y'all are going to like it. Wait, that didn't come out right. (laughs) I'm just messing with y'all. We'll see y'all next go around. Take care. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.